Hey there. Is there a project you're working on? I know more than you. All right. We'll we'll give you all your sports stuff. 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 Welcome to another episode of the Stay Eyes Podcast. I'm Chris. I got Jordan with me. What up, Jordan? Yo, yo, what's going on? Real quick, man. Why do people lose their minds when celebrities die? Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe they look up to them too much. They have no impact in my life. That's all I know. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when 2016 ended and people were talking about how much 2016 was terrible because we lost so many celebrities. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I, I never want to see a person die, but it's, it's celebrities. I mean, they, they have their own lives and whatnot. We're not, we're not relying on them for too much of anything. Absolutely. I totally agree. They're not impacting anything. They ain't gave me a bit of their money. I mean, the only reason why celebrities are celebrities is because they have more more FaceTime. They're on TV. They're in front of the spotlight. So, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I remember when Prince died. I put it like this. Like, as soon as I knew uh, or heard, rather, Prince died, man, I, I, was, I was in the middle of work. I had to stop the car. I had to stop the car and just, just think for a second, like, oh, man, you know, Prince is dead. But then 10 minutes later, I went back to work. Like, I'm not finna be uh, sitting in my sorrow. Prince was, you know, it's unfortunate. Anybody does. It's not normal, but, you know, I'm, it doesn't impact my life. Man. Prince is different, though, man. I mean, when you think about uh, some celebrities, I will say, they, they impact your life as far as the mark they left on their craft. Like, I look at Prince or Michael Jackson or somebody like that. Uh, you know, they, they impacted your life through their music. Uh, some actors may impact your life through some of the work they did to where you might have been at a certain point in your life and a certain song or a certain movie or a certain show kind of came into play for your life. But I think we just take it too far. Like Craig Mack died a couple weeks ago. You know, condolences to whoever uh, has much, much love and closeness to that man. But people act like they was checking yeah. for Craig Mack. <laughs> yeah, like, right, 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 right. It was so much mourning. It's like, man, Craig Mack died. And I'm like, we haven't talked about Craig Mack in, in 15 years. I think it was the name that just carried weight. You know, as soon as they heard him, you know, it got brought. It's kind of like with Tommy. You know, I mean, he wasn't doing nothing after Martin, really. I mean, I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember Tommy having anything after Martin uh, went off, went off the air. And as soon as he died, I mean, everybody's like, oh, Tommy died? Yeah, but, I still, but you so still I, see I, Martin I, on TV. You know, it's in syndication. So I saw you see Tommy yesterday. Didn't know I see Craig Mack. Yeah. And then yeah, Tommy true. did New York Undercover, man. And he was the Pope of comedy on uh, Who's Got Jokes. Uh, okay, you... You got you got to put me on to that one because I I'm fresh you, to that. You don't you don't want to be put on the Who's Got Jokes. That was a that was a Bill Bellamy vehicle. Uh, it was. Oh my God. Okay, never mind. <laughs> it was a uh, there was there was some hidden talent there, but for the most part, you know it's it's a it's a bunch of comics who couldn't make it to Comic View. Oh, okay, so it was just a whole bunch of trash. All right, I got respect you. to any comics who couldn't make it to Comic View that might be listening to the podcast. Uh, uh, no disrespect intended. It's just that who's got jokes. Uh, uh, it it didn't keep me up. You know, it, it didn't. Uh, it wasn't appointment television for me. Hey, okay, got you. But now that that's that's behind us, man. That's another thing I, I want to talk about. Let's talk. Let's talk about broadcasters because something. Now that the March Madness is going, shout out to Loyola for pulling yet another upset and getting to the Elite Eight. But now that March Madness is going, we're starting to see some of those NBA broadcasters kind of transition over to the top oh game. My God. And I, I figured, man, we take a little time. Uh, we got kind of a slow week. We take a little time and talk about 
who do you respect as some of the top broadcasters that you've that you've listened to and grown up with and you heard over your years, no matter what the sport is? Well, I got to give it up to Clark Kellogg just off the back. That's the first one that comes to mind. I think it's just because I, I just watched that beautiful Loyola, Nevada game. Uh, and uh, Clark Kellogg was on the TV. I think he is a very in-depth uh, broadcaster. Uh, I do like Jay Williams. I think he's uh, new in the game, but he, he, he brings some, some, some depth to his broadcasting. Of course, I grew up on Bob Costas, uh, Mike Fratello. I like him. Uh, Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, every now and then I can dig him. And and actually, you know, one somebody that I actually did not like at first, who I think is a, getting a little bit better, it just could just be me, is Chris nope. Webber. I think Webber is, is 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 growing on me just a little bit. You know how I feel about Chris Webber behind the mic, man. Like, you know, Chris Webber is is cool. See, I've seen different forms of Chris Webber because of the players only, and we're gonna talk about that in a little bit too. How I feel about that, but because of the players only, okay. they're putting Chris Webber more in play by play positions. Which it's like it's okay. like whatever NBA TV or TNT the Turner Network is doing, they're trying to put Chris Webber in progressively more and more annoying and worse positions. Like he went from the studio. I thought Chris Webber was pretty good in the studio. Then they put him as your analyst. Now Chris Webber, right? To me, is terrible in that position. He always feels like he has to fill the air with something even when yeah it's nonsensical and now with the players only <laughs> thing they're trying to make him kind of the play-by-play guy low-key and it's just like it's even worse it's just i think to me your, your color analyst is supposed to provide a certain level of insight on the game and just chris Webber doesn't do it for me man he doesn't like, like I said, yeah. in the in studio analysis, to where he's bouncing the analysis off of a couple other guys. I'm all for that, right? But just isolated Chris Weber for two hours. No, nah, I, I can't do it. it. It it irks me. It has to be a game I really want to see for me to even tolerate that. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. I'm gonna have to take a a page out of uh uh Ball's book. Uh, not the not the uh, the the son, Levar, the father. You know, stay in your lane, stay in your lane. Know what you're good at, and just keep that. Uh, the, with that players only, I think I remember watching a game. I think it was a few weeks ago, and Nate Robinson was a part of the uh, the uh, crew, and this dude was garbage. He was garbage, bro. He Kept, they had him reading some of the uh, promos. You know how you 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 uh, might be like in the middle of a free throw, or or uh, it might be a timeout, or they're coming from commercial, mm-hmm. and they'll they'll have or Burger King or a movie that's coming out or whatever at the bottom of the screen. They had Nate Robinson trying to read some of those. Man, the man couldn't even get through the first three couple of words. It, it was horrible. He was stumbling and fumbling a couple of times. They kept giving him chances. It was the worst thing in the world. You got to get professionals. Stay in your lane. I, I think that's an experiment that's kind of going up and down and up and down. You got to stay consistent when it comes to, you know, and you know, analyzing the game and bright. You got to get somebody that's going to have it flow. You you got to get somebody that's going to continue to keep it consistent and and have it flow. And and number one, know how to read. That that would that would seem very fundamental to the job of broadcasting. <laughs> Um, exactly. but just to, to get to my list real quick, man, you know, we came up in that NBA on NBC era. So, you know, Marv yeah. got to be there. Even though Marv is slipping a little bit right now, Marv is, is just one of the greats at calling it, painting the picture for you on a play-by-play level. Um, I'm with you on, on the czar, Mike Fratello. He always provided some insight. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really like, and I know people are hot and cold on him. I really like Hubie Brown, man. Every time I watch a game where yeah. Hubie Brown is yeah. doing the analysis, I feel like I learned something. You know what I'm saying? It's like I feel like I'm a little smarter about the game of basketball. I feel like that those years and years of experience at some point 
is going to spill out. And and he's very matter of fact in it. You know, again, you know, once you get a little long in the tooth, you slip a little bit. But Hubie still, in my opinion, you know, for the most part, you know, 70% of the game, Hubie's bringing it, man. He's, he's giving you giving you the goods. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually kind of overlooked him. I forgot about him. Uh, he's definitely uh, somebody who has knowledge and wisdom. Um, I'm going to throw a dark horse out there, and this guy is just retarded, and he really doesn't bring anything to the game. Matter of fact, 99.9% of the time he talks during the game, it has nothing to do with the game. Bill. But Bill. throw it down, big man. Bill. Throw it down. Bill Walton, the goofball of all goofballs, is my dude, just because he makes me laugh. He's talking about uh, uh, tropical uh, weather and 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 weather reports and and the tsunami that happened in Japan while the guy is bringing the ball down the court. You're supposed to be commentating, but they just let him do his thing, and I love He's him. just doing his thing, him. man. I, I love it. Bill is just doing his thing. Like, when, when you have Bill Walton there, I think you have to go in with the absolute mindset that I am not going to get any absolute analysis <laughs> today. <laughs> I'm just about a cloud to, I'm just about to listen to some high hippie rant. <laughs> and it's cool. It's cool because right. Bill doesn't present himself as as anything but, you know. Very smart dude. Very smart dude, man, but he he doesn't present himself as anything more than what he is. And Bill Walton has grown on me over the years and it's like the the worst quote unquote he gets the more I love him because this is like, this is who I am. Don't look for nothing beyond that. Oh, yeah. that, that That's exactly why I love people like him. I love LeVar Ball. As as goofballish as he is, somewhere in, in that brain of his, he actually has some knowledge. And and he has a, he has a method to his madness. So I, I appreciate people like that because it's like, it's no holds barred. There's nothing that's going to stop you from letting them do them, they're going to be who they're going to be. And I, I have an appreciation for a person like that. When you find that method to his madness, let me know. I, uh, I, I don't think I'll find it, I, I, but uh, I'll try. I, I ain't feeling I, I'll let bar. you know. Um, <laughs> now, the whole the issue I have, Van Gundy is cool, but Van Gundy gets real curmudgeon-y sometimes. It's like, I like Tibbs as a coach, but I wouldn't want Tibbs to or a color analyst. Oh. And that's what Van Gundy God. is. Van Gundy is just like a more gregarious Tom Thibodeau during doing analysis for a game. So I mean it's like, okay, I get it, but at a certain point it's like, okay, you want this to be nineteen eighty two basketball and it's not it's not that. Yeah, that's a good point. And then, I wouldn't trust Tom with a mic in my life. <laughs> and then Mark Jackson, man, he Mark Jackson is cool until he's doing a Warriors game. And that dude just short circuits. It's like he even even this far removed from it, you can still hear like some of the hateration in his voice when he's doing Warriors games. Man, it's like, dude, let it go. I'm not gonna lie. Uh I, I would probably still have a lot of salt and pepper on my shoulder uh from uh from that because it's like this is the team that I built. I created this from the ground up, and the finished product kind of just fell into Steve's hand. But and he's he's just reaping all of the benefits. But did it? I mean, when Steve came, he brought Ron Adams. You know what I'm saying? The Warriors weren't playing defense; they were shooting out. He brought Ron Adams. They instantly became the best defensive team in the league because Ron Adams and Steve Kerr sat down and said, "Hey, we need to play Draymond Green." He's guarding everybody in practice. So, I mean, that that made a big difference in what that team was, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see your point with that. I I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just I, – I, I can't say I don't understand Mark's, uh, Mark's stance. You know, uh, I wouldn't be – it wouldn't be easy for me to get over it. Even if I should, the fact that as soon as I leave, they become – this record-breaking team, 72 wins in a season, the most ever. You break uh, that, then you 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 almost perfect in the playoffs, and then you uh, win a couple of championships. Like, that 
That would that would sting. That would sting for a minute, bro. Maybe he just got to get another another head coaching gig to get past that. But I mean, I, I I firmly believe in tiers and levels of coaches. You have A to B coaches, and you got B to C coaches, and you got championship coaches. And I think Mark Jackson is is somewhere between an A to B and a B to C. He, you know, you get some coaches they close the deal. You know what I'm saying? Some coaches are good at developing the talent. Some coaches are good at getting them to that next level of maturity. I think Mark Jackson was good at giving those guys to that next level of maturity where they weren't necessarily developed, but they were, they had a developed skill set. And he went in and said, okay, we're going to get to the playoffs. We're going to get some of this experience and I'm going to walk with you through it. I just don't think Mark Jackson is a championship coach because at that point, I think you have to be more manager than coach. Hmm. You know what I mean? That's a good point. We remember yeah. Phil, man. I mean, Doug Collins. Doug Collins is a good coach. I mean, X's and O's and offense. Doug Collins was was your guy. He could draw up a play, yeah. but Doug Collins wasn't a good uh, manager of personalities. You know, he wasn't a good psychologist like like Phil was. Man, Phil was a psychologist. Yeah. I think you know, Ben Master. Yeah. And Steve is the same way. And Steve had the benefit of a couple coaches who are great psychologists. He had he had Phil. He had Pop. Those are psychologists, man. Those are dudes who could relate to you on, on a mental level and get you to, to drive and go that extra mile as opposed to just drawing up a great play. Yeah, I, man. Whenever I have this, this conversation with anybody about, you know, the tiers of coaches and, you know, how, how amazing they are, the things that they can get out of their players – I'm sorry. I, I have to. I have to kind of te- temper that with the fact that Phil Jackson had one, two, three, four of probably the top thirty greatest players ever to play the game of basketball. Probably twenty. I don't know where Scotty lies in that tops of the greats, but Shaq, Kobe, Mike—they're they're obviously up there, and you. You you rode their coattail. I'm not saying that you stood there and just watched it all unfold before your eyes. You had something to do with it. Yes, you 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 connected with your players, like you said, psychologically. He could take it to that level. He had that 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 relationship, that connection. But if I'm gonna be honest, the talent is what added to that. The talent, the players went out there and played. You can draw up a million per, a million plays and you know uh, 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 try to motivate your team to to do certain things, but they are the ones that that still have to follow through and actually do it. And and I, I don't know. I've I've always found that to be overrated. Is all this coach and that coach versus over this coach? And because again, going back to Steve Kerr, I mean, <laughs> Mark Jackson didn't have KD. Mark Jackson. Uh, didn't have uh the, the 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 Steph Curry or at least I don't think he did when when Steph Curry took it to the next level, and 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 just just became a, an elite superstar. I, I I just I don't know. I just think that's overrated. But how much could you credit Steve Kerr with Steph taking it to the next level? See, I mean, I, I hear you on that, but when I look at Scotty and Mike, Doug Collins had Scotty and Mike too. And when I look at Shaq and Kobe, Dale Harris has Shaq and Kobe too. But what it is is there's a difference, man. When when you bring in that that championship coach, more times than not, your talent is already there, and that previous coach has taken them as far as he can take them. That's why I say it's tears. That's why I say you have a guy who's going to develop that talent, then you have a guy who's going to get them to the playoffs and and show them. Sometimes it's the same guy, and and show them kind of the ropes of of understanding the way the playoffs work and the grind of the season. And then you have a guy who sees the talent, tweaks it a bit, can take you, you know, from an all-star to a superstar. And for the most part, definitely, definitely, definitely knows how to manage you on a mental level and manage the season to make you a championship team. I, I think that that matters, man, because, you know, even, even with Tibbs, I think could a team win a championship with Tibbs as a head coach, absolutely you can. He's that good of a coach, in my opinion. 
But at the same time, it's yeah. going to be difficult because Tibbs hasn't quite mastered the management end uh, of as far as player management, especially, you know, according to some people's opinion of player management throughout the course of a season. He might be able to do it mentally. He challenges you psychologically. But the physical aspect, where he may push a little too hard in some cases, uh, comes back can come can come back and bite you. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you. That uh, that that makes a lot of sense. I I can't even argue with that no more. That, that does make a lot of sense. And and back and back to the broadcasting too. You know, you gotta gotta give love to the other sports, man. You can't talk about broadcasting if you ain't gonna talk about baseball. You can't talk about baseball unless you're talking about Vince Scully, man, uh, legendary Dodgers play-by-play. You know, he does a good job. I even like a little bit of what Vaskirgin is doing uh, right now. Uh, when Harry Carey was the realness, he was the realness. Um, you know, he kind of became a caricature of himself down the stretch. Where he was just like the happy drunk grandpa. But um, yeah, you know, when Harry was real. He was real. Steve Stone as a as an analyst, I don't think it's too many better. Yeah, I like Steve. Uh, I can't stand McCarver. Tim McCarver goes out of his way to tell you what you already know. Every time I hear Tim McCarver, man, I see water is wet. is wet uh i don't know if you right. do this but i came here to tell you water is wet no i, I can't do tim mccarver but you know wow <laughs> but you know baseball baseball lends itself too to a lot of up-and-coming guys uh and then costas versatility he loves baseball but he dabbles in the other things but i know he he got his i think he got his feet wet with baseball and and ABA basketball. Acosas is the goods, too. Uh, as far as football, yeah, I think football lends itself more to the analyst, more so than the yeah. play guy, especially since Madden. Uh, Madden yeah. kind of changed the game on that. Um, but you see, you see anybody in football you liking, especially on? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I, I don't think longevity has anything to do with it because right now my favorite is Tony Romo. I think he's very in-depth. I think he's very uh, aware of what's going on. I even love the fact that he can call plays, obviously, it being a, uh, an ex-quarterback now, knowing what the, the, the team is going to run and then actually being right and knowing exactly what happens before it happens. I think that's pretty cool. You know, it kind of gives you a more in-depth approach to watching the game. I, I, I can appreciate Tony Romo's style. Dude, I find that so remarkable when he started. It was just like, he was doing that trash like twice a game. Like he's, he like, yeah. yeah. They're gonna, they're gonna come out of this formation. And they're gonna do this, this, and the third, and, and they would do exactly that. I'm like, wow, wow. So yeah, Romo, Romo was doing it. I like Trent Green. Um, mm, when I hear a game and Trent Green's doing it, man, I feel like he's adding a little something. Uh, Aikman's okay. Uh, but but Trent Green is, is really solid. Gruden overdid it. Um, he's back coaching now, but Gruden overdid it in my opinion. Um, he added some insight. But he was just he was just too busy, you know, shining all the players. Man, it was just yeah, exactly. You know, and, and he had uh, you know by being ESPN too, I think to an extent added to the fact that there were some agendas there. Uh, certain agendas they wanted to run with. All, all the, all the, a lot of football analysts have agendas they run with based on who they meet with, who, they, who they're in the meeting room with that week. So, right, right. Um, but you know, fo- football, yes, yeah, it's, it's the analysts. But here, here's my thing, man. And talking about football and baseball, basketball, and and one thing it seems like is people want us to feel like uh, a lot of these broadcasting companies and, and networks want us to feel like us, someone wore the uniform that they're a genius about their sport and I don't agree with that mm. yeah I'm with you on that one you know just 
and and they always and a lot of players always use the excuse, "Well, I played the game." That doesn't mean anything, because um, based on that reasoning, like the better player you are, the better coach you will be, right? Because you played the game. So, I don't necessarily agree with that viewpoint. It was just a couple of days ago, Deion Sanders got in a, a, a Twitter battle with a guy he thought was a fan. And it turned out to be Kevin Byard because Dion called a Honey Badger, Teron Matthew, the best safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Kevin Byard, you know, had a counter argument. Kevin Byard, safety for the uh, Tennessee Titans, was voted all pro by the players as well as the writers this year. And he had a counter argument. So Dion addressed him as a fan. He was like, you know what, well, I – I go with what the players say, and I was a player, and I see what's on the field. I don't, I don't just believe what writers say. And so everybody's like subtweeting this is like, okay, you do realize that this dude is an actual NFL player. Why don't you know that if you're an analyst? Oh wow! So he didn't even realize Byers was on the Titans. He didn't realize Kevin Byers was was an NFL All Pro safety, and just even uh, he, he really dropped the ball on that one. And even with the players only, with the NBA, man, it's it's just, uh, I I could I could give or take it some days. It's depending on on who they're featuring. I love the the area twenty one where KG is being, you know, eighty percent KG, um, and he he brings some some people along. A lot of basketball personalities you haven't seen in a while. KG's good for that too. Where you. You'll see out of the clear blue man like a, a Ricky Davis, you know what I'm saying, or or, or some other cast that KG may have played with over the years. Uh, Kendrick Perkins might come out of the woodwork. So I, I like him for that, uh, to see dudes just rap about the game. But when you serious sit-down analyst, the player's the only thing, man. You can Most times you can miss me with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I I think that it's it like I said before it was a fa- it's a failed experiment it's it's something that I don't really need like I'm not always looking forward to it I think they're doing that to kind of give them you know some sort of uh, control and and uh, legitimacy or, or relevancy rather um, it's kind of like to me the 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 what is that the Ice Cube uh, uh, three on three what is that the big three, big three. It's kind of like that to me, in my in my opinion, as far as when it comes to broadcasting and analysts. It's like you know, you 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 passed your prime, and in order to kind of get some some relevancy, I'm gonna bring you back, and you know, let's see what you got. You know, let's make our own little little individual thing going, and you know, it's it's okay, but overall, I I can do without it. Right. I mean, and I think it appeals to. The, the meatball, so to speak, sector of sports fan to where they have to be told by an ex-athlete that something is right. And that's not always the case because all the athlete knows right. is what they were taught as far as basketball. They could have been taught in right. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You get And sometimes when you get a star, and I know this is really true in, in football too, but you'll get a star player when you're the star player and the offense is drawn around you and the game plan is drawn around you, you don't see the whole game all the time. Some, some guys do, but you don't always see the whole game transpire because everywhere you went, that offense or that game plan was catered to you. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that uh, certain positions in sports probably have a better understanding of things than others. And uh, I, 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 what I mean is those, those positions that kind of have that captain role, you know, the point guard, the quarterback, kind of like that transitioned into, you know, Tony Romo being a very good analyst because he saw everything. And it was the same way. It was like he was in the, in the pocket up in the booth. You know, he sees what's going on. He can break it down because that's exactly how a quarterback is supposed to play. A, a, a good quarterback is supposed to play. You know, you're breaking down the defense. You're seeing what routes your 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 receivers are going to take. You see the way the, the 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 line is set up to try and come in and sack. You know, there are certain things you can break down with a point guard. You can see a a, a screen coming. You can see how this pick and roll is going to affect uh, the the 
the perimeter player that's waiting to, to for the dish out for the three. And like there's certain things you can break down. Certain players do have that capability of transferring that from uh, the court or the the field to you know talking about it later on in their in their career after they're done. But uh, it's it's not for everybody. And you know I. I think about Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is all the talent in the world on the court, but ain't no way I'm gonna be giving Derrick Rose a, a a mic to talk about the the game of basketball. That is gonna be the the deadest broadcast that I've ever heard. <laughs> no way, it ain't happening. I got love for my guy, but no. Could you imagine just what would come out of his mouth? Like you know, I I I, I see a, a it's a pick and roll and. uh yeah, he going he kicked it out and he going he he made that three. He did a good job of making that three. I mean, I think they just want to win. No, Derek Derek wasn't cut out for that, man. Yeah. Um, Not he, at all. He's to stay in his lane. Stay see, going back to Lavar. I told you Lavar, the mind of Lavar. But I mean, it's, it's just in- <laughs> I, I happen to think, man, that just like, especially with basketball, just like with coaches, um, I say the same thing may be true a little bit of, of analysts to where the peripheral guys, sporting yeah. guys, the bench guys, turn out to be your best coaches and your best analysts, man. And the reason being is because they have to understand the game a little more to succeed and they honestly see more of the game because they're not always in the war. They're looking at it. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, they're looking at it from from the sidelines, you know, from the purview of the coach. And uh, I think that that's why you get these guys who come along who are supporting cast guys who are great coaches, whereas great players are rarely great coaches. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. Uh, I think about Luke Walton. Luke Walton, man. I, I honestly, just side note, I thought Luke Walton was going to be a beast when I when I followed him from Arizona. I thought he was going to be a monster. I thought he was going to be way better than just a role player for the Lakers. But uh, he he wasn't a, a, a huge huge factor on that team, and so he 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 definitely had a lot of you know chilling time. He had a lot of sideline time where he just kind of looked at the game and saw the way Kobe and Shaq and all those guys did their things, and, and, and now you see him being a head coach. And I think that, you know, with the right pieces, he's going to continue to be an, an even better coach. So I, I definitely agree with you that, you know, sideline, uh, sometimes those players have a better understanding of the game because they can see it from a different angle. And when you think about Luke Walton's career, right, Luke Walton had to learn different positions on the court. And Luke Walton, because he was a utility guy, so he had to learn how to play different positions on the court. He had to learn where different guys needed the ball because he wasn't the one getting it. So he had to know where to put the ball. He had to know people's spots. See, those are things that you just pick up that as a as a role player that you don't necessarily pick up when you're the star of a team. Not saying a star can't be a good analyst, but for the most part, it's those role players or peripheral guys who, who pick up a little more of the game and understand it a little better. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with that. Makes sense. That being said, man, I, I want to slide into our, our next subject. And it, it springboards from the players only thing because it, we talked about a former player who, who brought the debate back up, Isaiah Thomas. And another okay. couple of players, man, they, they have their, their likes and dislikes and their animosities. And with this guy, with Isaiah, man, it always comes out. It always comes out that the anti-Chicago Bull hatred always comes out. Like he he always those little side shots at Pip. And right now, man, the last thing that came out of Isaiah Thomas' mouth that mattered to people is he now puts LeBron James in front of Michael Jordan as the greatest. Well, no, no, actually, it's not even the greatest of all time. He never had Michael Jordan as the greatest is what he said. He had Kareem as the greatest, and then he had Michael, and then he had LeBron. But now he's saying LeBron has surpassed Michael. So what do you think about that, man? And, and then well, let's let's talk a little bit about who are who we consider are the GOATs in their different sports. What do you think about Isaiah, man? 
Um, first of all, I think Isaiah Thomas just needs to go sit down somewhere. And, uh, man, it just seems like LeVar Ball is just coming up roses all over. Stay in your lane, okay? Stay in your lane. Just, just invent that. What'd you say? I didn't invent that phrase. Well, you know what? He may not have invented it, but I, I just like the way he said it. Because <laughs> it's just the, it's disrespectful the way he says it. Just stay in your lane, okay? Shut your mouth, stop hating, and go, go, go sit down somewhere. Isaiah Thomas is a hater. And yeah, I would be bitter too if I got stopped from winning the championship. And then in my era, all I kept seeing was that same person win the majority of rings and getting all these accolades and honestly being the greatest of all time and doing what he did. Yeah, I'm gonna be bitter. And 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 honestly, that's a good thing because that means I'm a competitor. And that drives me to want to 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 defeat that person. And if I never did, I'm gonna hold on to that. I'm gonna find every little angle, every little spite <coughs> in my heart to say, oh, you know what? No, nah, th this person is better than him. Oh, you know what? No, nah, no, nah, this person has surpassed him. LeBron is doing things that are amazing at his age. I will give him that. But LeBron, it's something about LeBron, and and I really am not trying to hate. Obviously, I grew up in the Jordan days, but I'm, I'm still young enough to say I grew up in, in LeBron's heyday as well. So I've seen both. And when I compare the greatest of all time, I look at what you're capable of doing despite what's stacked up against you. Le LeBron can just bully people. He has girth. He, the man can run through you and easily score. Like, Jordan did things with finesse. Jordan went around people. Jordan jumped over people. It was just the way he did things that just looked poetic and, and just artful. And, and that that's something that I, I can't take away from Jordan. And on top of that, he had that killer instinct. LeBron, he teamed up with so many super teams, and, and there were so many people that, that honestly handed him the rings that he has now, Ray Allen. Uh, comes to mind. Dwayne Wade comes to mind. Kyrie won him a championship when they went back to Cleveland. So I, I, I can't sit here and say that, that LeBron honestly is has surpassed Jordan, nor can I say that he ever will. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, going back to my point, I think took advantage of his physical traits, his height, his, uh, at a time where he was dominating. Now, Putting him in the league today, could I see him doing the same thing against the type of talent and athletic ability? Honestly, no. No, I can't see him being the the, the, the same Kareem Abdul-Jabbar from back then. That's not taking away anything from him from his when he did play in his time. But no, I I, I can't say that. I, I Michael Jordan was doing things back then that people can't do now some of the, the the drives to the rim some of the moves the acrobatic the layups all those type of things so go the, the goat is always going to be mj to me yeah i mean just just starting off with isaiah i think a big part of the animosity that isaiah has always had towards mike is in effect mike stole chicago from isaiah Mm. Isaiah was the best thing smoking out of Chicago when Michael Jordan came along. You know, he he was he was the native son. You know, he he was the one that had made it big. Him and Mark Aguirre was were the stories out of the city. And then this guy comes along, and now he's in in your division, and he creates himself as a rival to you. And the minute he steps into the league, Chicago is buzzing about this guy. Not you. And from what I've heard of Isaiah, from people who know him, he's a very proud individual, very proud man, because from a very proud family, you know, and with good reason to an extent. But Mike stole Chicago from Isaiah, and I don't think Isaiah's ever gotten over that. Because he's from Chicago. He was supposed to be the guy. He's supposed to be the one to make it big and give back. And it didn't work out like that. So... Then, you know, Isaiah was just like, okay, so I'm just going to beat this dude. So then he comes out and he's the general and the ringleader of the team that's not just beating the home team here. They're physically abusing this team. Mm. 
And so now, not only does Chicago now not notice you, Chicago now hates you. And I don't think he was ready to completely deal with that. And I think that resentment is always going to be there for Mike and for the Bulls because they stole Chicago from him. Now, that being said, Mike, to me, I can't say he's going to always be the GOAT. Someone may come along greater. I just don't think LeBron is that guy. I think LeBron is right there. I think LeBron is in the room uh, with Mike. But I think LeBron lost out when he chose to team up with other players who either were or were potentially going to be future Hall of Famers. When LeBron architected that, I think his legacy took a big hit. And people are kind of cool with it now because it's become in vogue to do that. And he started that. Mm. But I think his legacy took a major hit because you look at Mike and you look at the struggle. Yeah, Scotty's a Hall of Famer. He has Scotty. People will say, you know, you know, there's no championships without Scotty. Mike says it himself. But Scotty came in like a little brother and Mike brought him up under his wing. LeBron never really did that. LeBron always just kind of showed up, had a guy who was already on his way, and then kind of adopted him as a little brother. Yeah, that's a good point. Going 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 back to your 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 Isaiah Thomas point, I I I didn't factor that in, seeing as he is from Chicago and him and Mark Aguirre were the things that were hot, you know, in their time. And then him, you know, having that hatred from his hometown and uh when they were physically trying to abuse uh uh and impose their will on the Bulls and then MJ being the talk of the town. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think about that. So that definitely adds to his, his, uh, his animosity towards them. Um, but I won't even say that LeBron was the beginner of this, the super team. I mean, to me, there were plenty of uh, super teams before the, the, the Miami heat. And when that, that whole trend, uh, I, I, off the top of my head, I think about the Milwaukee Bucks when they had Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, and Glenn Robinson. I think about uh, the the technically the Spurs, you know, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, and whoever the third person was, uh, Elliot, or whoever, Three Johnson. So are they really a super team when you can't think about the third guy? Uh, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, that that is. <laughs> That's true. I was trying to think of his name. I think his name was Elliot. Sean Elliott. Sean Elliott. Yeah, I, that that is true. Um, but I I I I I still I still stand to think that Jordan is is still the goat over them. You're absolutely right. You know, I I do have to happen have an open mind. Maybe in the future there will be somebody that comes along and takes that mantle. But I mean, honestly, if my thinking is if LeBron can't do it, then then who can? Because the type of career that LeBron has had, it's very close, but it's the way he did it, I think, that 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 doesn't allow me to even have him come close to, to Jordan level. You know, to me, in my humble opinion, Kobe is is a little bit on that level, you know, more than LeBron because Kobe for the most part, did it, you know, he didn't go chasing another team. He didn't go form another team with anybody. They came to him, but he stayed right where he always has been, in L.A., and he's been Kobe Bryant ever since day one. See, that, the super team thing, there have always been great teams with great players. The Boston Celtics in the 80s had tons of Hall of Famers. You know, the yeah. Lakers had Hall of Famers. You know, the Pistons had very good players. Um, the Trailblazers even back then had some solid players that came together. But my point with LeBron is he architected three of the top 10 or top 15 players to come together to form a super team. Never before, in my opinion, have three of the top 15 players come together to play on one team. Even with the Celtics, okay, you had Burr, you had McHale, you had DJ, Robert Parrish. Even if you wanted to go as far as at that time to put McHale in the top 15, it was still Bird and McHale. 
you had a drop off, then it was DJ and Parrish. But it never before have three top 15 guys. And with, with Bosch, people forget Chris Bosch, when he came to that team, to that Heat team, was given 20 and 10 for the Raptors and was the focal point of an offense. He yeah, was the yeah. starter in the All Star game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Chris Bosch, before that whole thing went down, was talking about carrying a franchise on his own. So you had three guys who were carrying franchises individually come together. And that's what I think can can taint that legacy that LeBron has and why he, as hard as he tries, and he's balling out. Don't get it, don't get it twisted. I'm not a huge LeBron fan, but I'm also one of those guys like I can I can not be a fan of yours and still respect your ability. And I respect the man's ability immensely. He is a fantastic basketball player. I just don't think he's there yet. And I, like you said, I don't think he'll ever be there. Now, as far as my goats, when it comes to basketball, Mike is right there. And I can only rate people who I've seen. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't delve off into people I have not seen. I mean, so that would rule out Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain. I respect those numbers that they put up, but that was right before the era of any big man. And don't get it twisted. To average what Wilt Chamberlain averaged and to go out and get 100 points in a game and get 50 rebounds in a game, I don't care if you're playing against kindergartners. It's hard to get 50 rebounds. It's hard to get 100 points. You know, how many of us have been in a gym by ourselves and couldn't get 50 point, I mean, 100 points in, in 48 minutes? So, you know, mad respect to Wilt for that. But from what I've seen, Michael Jordan is the greatest player I've ever seen. And I always throw in a surprise to people when I say this. LeBron is probably the third best player I've seen with my own eyes. The second mm-hmm. best player I've seen with my own eyes is Hakeem Olajuwon. Hakeem Olajuwon hoisted a basketball team to the finals. Hoisted them. Nobody else on that team was anywhere near Hall of Fame caliber especially that first go-around. He carried that team. That's a good point. And then we talk LeBron, and then we talk Kobe, and then we talk Shaq. But Mike, Hakeem, LeBron, that's that's my top three as far as basketball goes. Okay. I respect that. Um, I don't know where you stand on that. I, uh, I... Let's see. Top. So you ne- you mentioned four, so I'm gonna give my top four. I still got MJ up there. I have Magic Johnson, mm. and then I got Kobe, and then I got LeBron. Okay. Now that that may be a controversial top four for many people to hear, but uh, I have certain reasons for for for. All of them, and and some of them I outlined, you know, earlier when we were talking about it. But yeah, that's my top four. Magic Johnson is not a top four broadcaster, however. Uh, no, he's he's he can go sit down somewhere. Okay. Now, when it comes to football, I got um, I think that football is different. A lot of people like to take the quarterback and make him the GOAT, so to speak. And I I understand that because he has to process so much information. But I don't think, in my opinion, a quarterback ultimately can never be the greatest football player of all time. Um, Because I think he, even though he has to mentally process certain things, physically he has basically one job. Um, So as far as, as football players, the greatest football player I've ever seen is Walter Payton. Uh, Call me a homer, Um, but a complete football player. Honestly, Walter Payton did everything. So he's the uh, greatest football player I've ever seen. Uh, Second would be uh, probably, I I like Barry Sanders. I think Barry is the greatest runner I've ever seen. Like somebody you just hand the ball off to and say, go run. I think that Barry Sanders is, is the greatest to ever do that. 
the greatest quarterback I've ever seen is Tom Brady. The things he does and what he does it with. People don't understand that Tom Brady is just now in the last maybe six or seven years getting weapons. When he first started, I, I dare anybody to name his receivers his first few years in the league when he was winning. Tom Brady didn't have much at his disposal. Obviously, the greatest receiver is uh, Jerry Rice. But the most talented receiver I've ever seen is Randy Moss. And I think because because Randy, yeah, Randy cut so many corners sometimes, man, because he was talented, which talented people a a lot tend to do. Randy cut a lot of corners and wouldn't do certain things. And I think he kind of held himself back a little bit. He's a Hall of Famer, no doubt, as as recently shown. He's he was inducted. But I mean, Randy could have been, Randy could have destroyed Jerry's records. Um, but he, you know, I think Randy just was like, I don't want to do that. So you know, Jerry's still the best receiver I've ever seen, and one of the greatest football players I've ever seen because of his blocking ability as well. Um, now, on defense, Dion is the best corner I've ever seen as far as staying with a guy, not, not giving him space, not letting him get anywhere. Um, the best uh, He's the best cover corner I've ever seen. The most complete cornerback I've ever seen is between uh, Charles Peanut Tillman and Rod Woodson. Wow. So, those dudes... No, Peanut Man transcended. People don't realize Charles Tillman transcended football. No, no corner forced fumbles like Charles Tillman. Like I think they did a a, a sports science on him once, and the force and accuracy at which he was hitting, you know, the Peanut Punch, where he was punching the ball out, it's like it's it's never. He has such a small window to strike the ball and he was able to strike the ball in such a small window. It's legendary, man. And I think if the, if he doesn't get into the hall of fame, it, it's a crime. Um, and then, you know, Rod Woodson was, was all, he was always right there with Dion. It's just, you know, Rod would stick his nose in a little more uh, than Dion. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I, I like that list. I, I think I'm a, I'm gonna go the same route. As I as I grab for my my cup of tea, let me add a little bit of Walter Payton in it. Let me get a little bit of sweetness in my life. Uh, I love Walter Payton as the greatest football player of all time, offense or defense, in my opinion, um, because he he just did things that just looked amazing. And again, I I, I think that he was he was uh, that type of running back that was ahead of his time, and. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I unfortunately wasn't around for his greatest years. I was born in 88. So, you know, I wasn't really uh, fortunate to to see him. But looking at his highlights, man, just some of the things he did. I love the little uh, long stride he used to do when he would be trying to juke people. Uh, he'd slow down, then he'll, he'll, he'll scissor his legs up and, 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 and try to try to juke people. Uh, or he could just run right through you. The man had extreme strength. He had a, a crazy stiff arm. Uh, Absolutely. It's just all around perfect running back, man. And on top of that, one of the nicest guys off the field as well. Like that, I think that kind of uh, uh, adds to it as well. Like he was just a, a very, very humble, very uh, great, great person off the field as well. Um I'm with you on Barry Sanders. Uh, it's crazy what Barry probably could have done. I, I would have been interested to see what Barry could have done with a, a complete career. Uh, Barry reminds me of like that mouse in your house that you you know it's there. And every time it comes out, you got your broom ready. And you <laughs> right around that, you see it's coming out. It's sniffing around. It's looking for some food. As soon as you run up on it, it's juking all over the place. You can't even get it. You turn around and you fall over your set. Like you, you make yourself look foolish. Like Barry was that type of running back. The man was small, but he could juke you out of your shoes. It, it was ridiculous. He was a highlight reel. So I definitely agree with that one. 
on the defensive side of the ball, I'm with you on Dion. I'm with you on Rod. Definitely um, uh, uh, appreciated what they did. I also got to give a, a shout out to to uh, Lawrence Lawrence Taylor. Oh, no doubt. I, I appreciate Lawrence Taylor and what he did, man. The man just was in your face. And uh, unfortunately, he ended a, a, a quarterback's career. But, uh, I mean, back when football was really football, well, that, that type of stuff was allowed. And I think he was just – he was a monster. Uh, you definitely can't rule out uh, Bo, double uh, – what, what is it, double uh, sport athlete. I think that is an amazing feat. So you got to put him up there as well when it comes to football. And uh, yeah, man, that that it's a lot, man. And as I'm trying to think of more players, it's a lot of players that that I could I could put on this list as far as goats in their sport. Just like transcend um, the game, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now I, I have a special place in my heart for Bo. Um, I got in a small conversation. Uh, about a week ago in a, in a chat about, you know, people are enamored with LeBron. And they say, you know, LeBron's the greatest athlete ever in sports. And you can never tell me that when I've watched Bo Jackson. And the fact that Bo Jackson was as big as anybody, as strong as anybody, and faster than everybody, that you you can't you can't tell me that Bo Jackson uh, wasn't the greatest athlete who whoever at least in my era whoever put yeah. you know foot to ground. Now you know he had his career cut short. Uh, he was like a shooting star, but you know the the fact that this man mastered two sports with ease. Yep. You know who? Yep. who you know Bo would show up. You know game six of the NFL season. And run for 900 yards, you know, and Bo would would play baseball and and not be completely devoted to that and give you 25 home runs and 80 RBI. I mean, those are the things that Bo Jackson would give you and play a stellar outfield and and throw eight or nine runners out a year and run up a wall and and break his hip and still run through you. I mean, it's it's the things that Bo Jackson did are, are that we saw with our own eyes are, are the type of stories that go into folklore, man. I mean, it's who, who believes yeah. that, you know, who believes that a, a human being ran horizontally up a wall, but you know what I'm saying? Bo Jackson did that, you know, and, and I saw it. he, this man would, would break bats over his head and over his leg to the point where the team told him to stop doing that. Uh, you know, it's, it's, the reason Bo Jackson's hip was messed up was it got pulled out of socket and he pushed it back in the socket. Um, Wait a minute. What? Bo Jackson. Well, his hip was already broken, right? They said the day his hip was broken, that basically ended his football career. He pushed his own hip back into the socket. The dude, man, man, the dude was, was from a different planet, man. I mean, it's it's constantly been said that from both, uh, you know, his peers in football and baseball, that if Bo would have stopped playing either one of those sports and focused on the other, he would have been the greatest in either one of those sports. That's crazy. You know, so it's it's hard for me to, to say anybody but Bo Jackson is the greatest athlete that I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, Dion's up there, too. Because he was effective in two sports as well, but Bo, Bo yeah. had the ability to dominate two different sports, and, and I, I don't think that that that's something to sneeze at, you know. When it comes to that, Bo got a special place in my heart, man. Can't can't nobody talk about Bo like like Miss Jenkins. Can't nobody talk about Bo Jackson. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that, man. You you'll never hear, of, or at least I don't think. Uh, you'll never hear of anybody kind of playing two sports at this this point. I mean, what you call it? I think uh, Russell Wilson played a little bit of baseball recently. But, you he, he know, he's he the minor league camps. 
Yeah, that ain't nothing. Yeah, so, but no, nah, it's, it's nobody gonna gonna be as real as as Bo was at that, and just keeping the keeping those two sportsmen consistently good at both, you know. Yep, there it is. And then my favorite baseball player ever, Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, shout out to Griffey. Uh, oh yeah, he came to my White Sox late in his career. He wasn't as effective. I was happy yeah. he was here, but not so happy that you know he. He was as uh, ineffective as he was, but it was good to have him. I got to see a game in person when he actually played. So, uh, you know, much respect to, to Junior, man, the kid. He he made me really, really like baseball. So, uh, and actually going forward the next couple of weeks, we're probably going to get into some baseball here on the Stay House podcast. So, you know, oh yeah, all the listeners, stay tuned for that if you love some baseball. Yes, sir, because you know I'm a cubby blue for life, baby. Well, nobody's perfect. Hey, man, you watch your mouth. So our our team, the White Sox, we're in transition right now. Uh, Got a lot of young prospects coming up out of the pipe. And before you know it, man, we're going to be in a fine position to dominate the MLB. You just better make sure those those, uh, prospects – Get healthy. They better stop getting hurt before they even make it to the league. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. We got Kopech. We got Lou Bob uh, <laughs> doing things out here. No, I'm I'm just messing with you. You know, the funny thing, and a lot of people won't even believe me when I say this, I actually have no hatred towards the White Sox. I'm not that type of fan. Uh, I never have been. I grew up on Sammy and Frank Thomas. I love Sammy back when he was doing the home run uh, uh competition with Mark McGuire and I love Frank Thomas when he was you know killing it big hurt so I, I like both sides of town that might sound crazy but hey that's cool it's cool our guy wasn't juiced but you know hey look here man look here okay I'm trying to give you a peace offering and you're spitting it back in my face it's on go Cubs go fly that W okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, anything to add? Well, you know what? I did want to just say, and this is just my Homer uh, topic, because my favorite player, uh, going back to the NBA, is and always will be Derrick Rose. Um, Just to throw him out there real quick, it seems as if he really carved out a little bit of a role on Minnesota. I think that was a really good choice to, to, to go there for them to pick him up, to reunite with a lot of the old Bulls players. You got Taj, you got Jimmy. He's on the men still coming back from his uh, meniscus tear. And then uh, you got Tom. So I, I think that was a good fit. And you notice some of the past couple of games, man, he's been doing his thing. What really impressed me or really not impressed me, but really uh, got my juices going is that game. I, I believe he had 14 points. And uh, he almost brought them back when they were playing. I can't remember who they were playing. I don't think it was the Clippers. I think it was the Rockets. Uh, but regardless, they they he 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 did his thing in the end, and he showed a lot of emotion. Emotion I've never seen or haven't seen in almost five six years. You know, ever since all of these injuries kind of just piled on top of each other. So it it really it really made me feel good, man, to see him enjoy an actual NBA game instead of just looking stone-faced and standing in the quarter with his hands up waiting for LeBron to pass him the, the ball for a three. You know, that's, that's not Derrick Rose, man. You got to let him free. Let, 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 let him fly. You got to let the peacock fly. Let the peacock fly. And, and you know, you, you want Derrick to succeed, man. I mean, it's, it's – some people don't. Some people don't. But, you know, between you and I, we want Derrick to succeed. Uh, I became a big fan, man. When I when I saw that, that that kid was doing things that you've never seen a point guard do, you know. And then he was from Chicago. He ended up with his home team. You you root for the kid. You you do, you know. He, you don't have the same rooting interest because he is playing for another team, but you you root for him. And I, I want to see him succeed because you don't want to see somebody with that much talent, with that much accomplishment. You don't want to see him fall to the wayside uh, toward the end of his career. 
So, you know, more power to Derek. I hope he continues to develop. Uh, I don't know how Tibbs is doing it. He's got him playing well again. But it's going to be interesting to see when Jimmy comes back because it looks like Derek might be playing some of Jimmy's role. And um, mm. Uh-oh, here we go. It, Trouble in paradise again. It'll be interesting because Derek's playing a lot of two. He's playing yeah. a lot of two because I've noticed Tibbs has him on the court with Jones and Teague. So Derek's playing at the two a lot. So I don't know how that's going to be affected when Jimmy gets back. And, you know, we'll see what happens because, you know, you know, they have trouble already with Wiggins. Uh, there's rumors coming out that Wiggins wants out because Jimmy threw his game off and, you know, he was used to – he wanted to be no less than the number two option. Now he's third option. So, yeah, we'll see how this all works out, man. You, you only got so many basketballs, and Jimmy is going to want one of them. I think you you selling them short. He's going to want about three of them at the same time. Yeah, so more power to just. We'll see how it all unfolds, man. And see how it unfolds. I, I wish them well. I'm uh, I am not a Timberwolves hater. I would like to see them succeed, but uh, not at all. That nice West, jerseys, by the way. Yeah, that West is rugged though. That West is rugged, so. No margin for error is good. I think Tiff saw that too. Derek was able to just slide in and not give them exactly what Jimmy gives them, but can give them a percentage and hopefully some of the other players step up. But uh, he's he's helping keeping them afloat in the West. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just happy to see him up there and doing his thing. So hopefully uh, they can, they can take it as far as they can. We'll see. Yeah. What's well, been another good one here at the Stay Oz Podcast? I'm Chris. I got Jordan with me. We'll holler at y'all next week. All right, brother. All right, now.